I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hi there, and welcome to the show. Once a month, I release this extra special episode in a series I call A Rare Collection. It features a few people from the rare disease community, each telling a true story with the same theme. I'm super excited to present the 20th episode in the storytelling series. I've always been moved by storytelling, and I believe there is so much power in them for both the listener and the storyteller. I'm the luckiest podcaster ever in that this is what I get to do for fun, passion, and purpose. The theme for today's episode is new beginnings, and the storytellers have the utmost freedom to be creative and take the theme wherever their heart desires. Here's a story from Noelle. Mama to Logan, who has San Filippo syndrome. When you have a child with a progressive degenerative disease, you learn that every moment is precious and you just have to roll with the punches. My son Logan has a rare genetic disorder called San Filippo syndrome. San Filippo syndrome is a rare progressive and fatal genetic disorder. It causes mental and physical deterioration. Children usually develop typically until the age of two and then the disease starts stripping away skills. San Filippo children lose skills such as talking, walking, swallowing, and end up having seizures and movement disorders. The life expectancy is mid to late teens, and there's currently no treatment or cure. The day Logan was diagnosed was the day that I had to learn that life doesn't always go as planned. As parents, we all have an idea of what we want our kids' future to look like, what our family's future looks like. But with one phone call, this picture-perfect future I had planned in my mind was gone. I'd like to say I was strong when I first got Logan's diagnosis. I'd like to say I was positive and said, we can do this. But I was neither of those things. I grieved for a long time. I grieved my child. I grieved the future I thought we would have. And most of all, I dreaded our new future. For a long time, I went through steps of living this life, making it look like I was strong and positive from an outsider's perspective. But that was so far from the truth. I was so scared of the future that I completely closed myself off emotionally. It was better not to feel anything than to feel and live with this anticipatory grief. In 2010, Logan went through a stem cell transplant. While this procedure is not a cure for San Filippo syndrome, the hope was that it would give him a better quality of life. The whole process of the stem cell transplant is extremely risky. Kids have to get chemo to completely wipe out their immune system so the body will receive the new stem cells. It comes with a lot of complications, and it's so hard on children's bodies. During Logan's transplant, paraflu spread across the transplant floor. While paraflu is just a common cold for people of typical health, for someone with no immune system, it's deadly. 
Many children on the floor lost their lives during that time. It was heartbreaking and traumatic. Logan ended up with a double pneumonia and his prognosis was not good. I could tell when the doctors and nurses would talk to us, it was almost as if they were preparing us for something. But we fought, and Logan fought so hard, and he beat it. Slowly he got better, slowly his lungs cleared and his x-rays looked better and better, until one day he was completely off oxygen, running around and back to himself. To say I was beyond grateful was an understatement. Going through that, almost losing my child, witnessing other parents losing their children, changed something in me. I began to open my heart again to think about the future in a different way. I can't change what the future ultimately holds for Logan, but I also don't want to miss out and feel all the love, joy, and yes, even the sadness that comes along with this life. It was a new beginning for me. It was a new beginning for my family. For the first time, I realized grieving what I had planned and dreading what was to come was not healthy. I needed to embrace every single moment we have in this life. From that day on, I've lived in the moment. I always think of my favorite quote, when something goes wrong in your life, just yell, plot twist, and move on. And that's exactly how we live our life now. Here is a story from Frances, Mama to Violet, who has a mitochondrial disorder called PDCD. My story about new beginnings is not really about fresh starts, and it's not about thoughts and prayers. My story about new beginnings about finding courage and hope after a new and devastating diagnosis is a story about dragons. In Emily Rapp Black's memoir about losing her son to Tay-Sachs disease, The Still Point of the Turning World, she describes parents of terminally ill children as dragon parents, like medieval mapmakers inscribing unknown regions of the world with the phrase, here be dragons, we represent most people's worst fear and something nobody wants to acknowledge, the anticipatory grief of a parent who has received a death sentence for their child. When I was pregnant with my second child, my main concern was how I was going to keep the tiny Legos my son scatters around the house like confetti out of the curious fists of his little sister. I wasn't worried about her ability to meet milestones like crawling and developing a pincer grasp. My pregnancy was healthy and typical, and together, baby girl and I passed every test and scan with flying colors. Like a lot of rare disease parents, I was utterly clueless about what was to come. My daughter Violet passed all her newborn screens in the hospital and even had a reassuring milk mustache after latching to me, but I soon became concerned with how sleepy, shut down, and difficult she was to feed. My husband and I simply could not wake her to eat. I knew she was sleeping too long in between feedings, and yet the pediatrician and ER doctors all told me she would be fine. They only saw that she was gaining weight and didn't seem to believe me when I described the Herculean effort it took to feed her. We were told over and over that weight gain takes time, that it was just jaundice, and that everything was going to be fine. I will never forget the look of horror in her pediatrician's eyes when after four months of telling me, that I was postpartum and weepy, she finally relented and told me that Violet needed to see a neurologist. The next few months were the worst of my life. My daughter had a brain ultrasound and a top-level genetic test called a microarray, both of which came back clear. Meanwhile, the diagnoses were getting more complicated and scary. Global developmental delay, hypotonia, and microcephaly. 
I was trying to figure out what it all meant and pursued second, third, and fourth opinions, which led us to UCSF, which led us to the most devastating news of all, that Violet had a rare and fatal mitochondrial disease called pyruvate dehydrogenase complex deficiency, or PDCD for short, caused by a spontaneous frameshift mutation on her PDHA1 gene. I didn't realize that my transformation, my new beginning into a dragon mom had already begun as I flew around every last corner of the internet hunting for answers. I found myself wandering around San Francisco, coming apart molecule by molecule. Burning down the city seemed like a sensible option. Violet has had many hospital admissions since, and each time the dragon inside me is ready to breathe fire on anyone that might harm her. I keep her safe from nurses who would rather use her like a pincushion instead of calling a vascular team to draw labs, as stated in her emergency letter. I question everyone, trust no one, and never leave her side. At other times, when friends don't know what to say, I feel like a solitary dragon, alone in her cave. I've experienced a divide between me and many people who I had mistakenly assumed would be Team Violet. Whether it's my grief or my pursuit to advocate and raise awareness, I'm just too messy and scary for some people. Having a terminally ill child is not something you can fit neatly into a box. There is no happy ending, and it doesn't fit with the popular cultural narrative around positivity, the law of attraction, and that we have control over our future. Luckily, my daughter's disease has a treatment, which in the world of rare disease is not always the case. Because it's a disease of carbohydrate metabolism, patients need to be on a ketogenic diet to prevent seizures, strokes, comas, and overall progression of the disease. Because the dragon in me would not stop scouring the internet for answers, I knew Violet needed a ketogenic diet weeks before her biochemical geneticist confirmed it. It's been five months since Violet was diagnosed. Her nutrition is keeping her metabolically stable, and she's making progress across all areas. Now that her blood isn't acidic, she's comfortable and she's waking up to the world around her, blossoming in front of our eyes. Her disease is a big part of our daily life, but so are the memories we make each day. She started belly laughing and rolling over in response to her big brother. She jumps for joy in her bouncer and clicks her tongue when she's happy. She somehow brings out the best in everyone who meets her. And with her older brother at the helm, the neighborhood kids are becoming her little band of protectors. I hope one day that the medical community and the biotech industry will put forth meaningful support for patients with rare diseases. My daughter certainly deserves better options and therapeutics than we've been given. I hope that one day, the rarity of a diagnosis is not an acceptable excuse for medical gaslighting and harmful delays of care. I hope to see a world where children with disabilities have equitable opportunities to play and to learn and to enjoy the precious time they have outside of the hospital. I hope for a world in which dragon parents are not feared, but seen as the true sources of wisdom that they are. Somehow, once the fear that she would die on my watch subsided, Violet has brought out the best in me. She is a powerful unicorn teacher, and I am her fierce and loyal dragon, the one lucky enough to be her mom. Here's a story from Patrick. Dad to Callum, who has a rare disease. Life has always been a journey with different twists and turns for my son Callum. 
who has rare chromosome abnormalities. Last May 4th, he had his first seizure. It was very scary. It lasted over 40 minutes until they could stabilize him at the local ER and coordinate the journey to the children's hospital. This chapter in his life was a new beginnings. It taught us a lot about what we had to do to maintain his ability to not fall into seizures while he was sleeping. Unfortunately for him, he had two more seizures until he was diagnosed with epilepsy. And after that, we coordinated with his neurologist and other team members to figure out the best course of action to make sure that he wouldn't fall back into seizures. And as a father, I can tell you, I will always remember May 4th as a new chapter in life, a chapter of being grateful, a chapter of having a perspective of that I'm going to celebrate every moment that I can because you just don't know when life will be taken from you. And my son, during his first 40-minute seizure, was only breathing between having seizures. So his blood oxygen level got so low it threatened to shut down his organs and he was down into 67% blood oxygen. And I think back helpless calling 911 and I think back of trying to figure out how to stop what was thrusted upon him. Now I know that that day was an awakening. We do everything that we can for our children. Callum has two sisters, Killian and Nora, and he loves to play with them. He loves to go outside and have adventures. He loves to go to Kings Island and ride roller coasters and play in the kiddie land. And I realized that I needed more opportunities, more experiences for my kids. I need to embrace the new beginnings of focusing more on them, less on me, less on work. And Callum has really taught me a lot about overcoming barriers and overcoming things that are hard to grasp. I remember when he was first born, he spent several weeks in the NICU. Later in his life, he lost his ability to eat independently. And then we worked a lot on the different supports from NG to G-tube. He eventually overcame his ability to not eat after using a continuous feeding pump, the G-tube, and he was able to overcome it and learn how to independently eat. And he was able to overcome not being able to walk with lots of therapy, lots of support, lots of pieces of equipment. And now he can walk independently. So all these chapters in his life have taught me what love for your son is, what you will do, what tools and resources you will put into place to make sure that he reaches uh, his milestones, his hopes and dreams. But on May 4th, I couldn't do anything. He was showing me what he was capable of, that he would hold on. And I was thankful and blessed that our local EMS arrived as quickly as possible 
and that the medical team was able to help him and stabilize him. And every day from here on out, we celebrate every day like the new day it is. And Callum has given us that perspective. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.